Fans across the world are reacting to the new trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But the few things that stand out to me were really, really cool, man. We have some new heroes. And what is up with Namor? What is his beef? Who has this man ready to go to war with Wakanda? Also, for those fans out there that love the Batman movie just as much as I did, Paul Dano is taking his crack at comic books. He actually created a origin story for the Riddler, the version that he played in the Batman. And today is Wednesday. That means it's new comic book day. And JT is here with his top five comic book reviews for October 5th, 2022. I'm your host, Amir, and this is the one in 100 podcasts. Okay, so the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer dropped on Monday uh, and fans everywhere just went crazy. Okay, Uh, they showed a lot of good things in this trailer. They didn't overdo it, but they definitely gave us a sense of direction on where uh, the movie is headed. Um, We got to see. Uh, Riri Williams in her costume or in her her suit of armor as Ironheart. Um, we got to see some Midnight Angels, you know, Anika. We got to see that she's going to be out on some separate missions. So definitely going to be getting a hopefully we're going to be getting a lot of Midnight Angel uh, scenes in this movie, um, as well as. We got exposed to Namor, man. And we saw a lot of Namor in this trailer. We saw a lot of the Aztec culture that they will be using to showcase the Tullicans, formerly known as the Atlanteans. So we got to see a lot of that. Um, we got to see some artwork that Namor is doing, you know, just in that Aztec way uh, of doing artwork, man. It was, re- it was really, really dope. But the thing that um got me was what? It has Namor so angry. <laughs> you know, what was it? Was it Wakanda, you know, coming out to the world? Was that something that exposed them as well? But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this because whatever it is, he is pissed. Okay. So, yeah, Namor, you know, we're seeing him flying around with the wings on the feet and everything. It was just, it was just an awesome showcase of. Uh, Namor and the Aztec culture that they'll be using and some other characters in this. But we also got to see that there will be a female Black Panther. We still don't know exactly who. I mean, everyone is for sure saying that it is Shuri, but we don't know that for sure, man. We didn't see the under the helmet and everything. We just know that it is a woman uh, and everybody's looking at different details of the suit and everything, which makes this really exciting for me. Um, But we also saw a lot of feeling, you know, they're not they're not getting away from that. They're not shying away from that. This is going to be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, because in this world of Wakanda, um, he was the king and it felt like he was our king in real life. You know, it wasn't just in this imaginary world. It was in today's world we looked at Chadwick Boseman as our king uh and when he passed away we all felt that and 
Ryan Coogler did a great job of putting that feeling into the story. Let's listen to Letitia Wright as she explains how Ryan Coogler fit that real world feeling into this imaginary world of Wakanda. She spoke about it on Entertainment Weekly. It's been really collaborative with Ryan. It's a little bit like life imitating art and art imitating life. He took everything that I was feeling um, and processing just as a human being in this situation and he put it into Shuri and we follow that in a way that's really relatable and I just found that to be refreshing that he wasn't saying hey I want you to come on set and do something and he's like where are you at and how can we combine and make these the character parallel to how you're feeling so as you can see Ryan Coogler definitely knows how to bring life into art and how to turn art into life uh, it's going to be a lot of tears that day. I, I can definitely tell you that. But there's only two things that can help me get over those tears. My wife and a good comic book. So let's kick it over to JT to see what he picked up on New Comic Book Day. Hey, what's going on, JT? Listen, I know a lot of books came out this week. So what you narrow it down to? Hey, Amir. Um, hey, everybody. Um, so this week I picked up uh, King Spawn number 15 by Sean Lewis. Um, and basically what it is is a continuation uh, from the story. I mean, it's a clown. You know, he's playing Spawn as well as a lot of his allies against each other because the idea is that the title is King Spawn. And the idea is that, you know, Spawn is going on this journey to basically try to get back Wanda, his dead wife or ex-wife technically. And, you know, I mean, it was a really good read. I mean, it was fast paced. Um, <clears throat> but I realized reading it, you know, the clown made an observation and it was basically like the reason he takes that form is nobody takes him seriously. And the thing is, is that he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And he seems to be winning at this. So, I mean, it's something that if you're a Spawn fan and you're really, like, interested in the dynamic of Spawn versus the Violator, a.k.a. the Clown, this is definitely something worth picking up. Nice. Um, so it was really a good read. The next one I picked up was uh, Batman 128. Uh, of course, oh, yeah. that's, Chip, that's Chip Zdarsky and... Um, Mr. Jimenez. And at this point, it, you know, it picks up from the last issue. I mean, this is literally failsafe has been, been running wreck on Gotham and all of the Bat family since like issue 125 with his introduction, right? After Batman, you know, I'm, I can't say it's a spoiler because this has literally been like four months um, or three months. Uh, the Joker, not Joker, I'm sorry, the Penguin was assumed to be killed by Batman mm. initiating failsafe. And the failsafe protocol was basically something that Batman built to stop him in case he ever, you know, went on a murderous rampage. The thing is, is that obviously the Bat family can't stop him. Batman can't stop him. One of his oldest friends showed up at the, la at the end of the last issue. And, you know, that's the Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> had something for him too. So it's like, Jeez. but 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 what happens when heroes that are out of every anybody else's league show up? And you should be able to figure that out. 
to help out with the city. Now, Batman, Interesting. <laughs> he's still he's still holding his own throughout this cracked ribs, concussion. But, you know, honestly, and the city is basically falling. So what do you do? But it was definitely a good read, definitely a solid pickup. Anybody who is like a Batman fan, this run has been fire so far. So I would definitely pick it up. Love it. Love it. The next, the next book I picked up was Spider-Man number one. Um, it's a new series by Dan Slott and Mark, uh, Mark Bagley. I mean, they're basically a classic Spider-Man team. And this is basically on the heels of, um, you know, a quick honorable mention on the heels of Spider-Verse number five, which also was released mm, today. Mm -hmm, it's yeah. not necessary to necessarily read that. I mean, there's a bunch of like new spider characters and whatnot, but this ties into that in essence, but not in a way that you can read this as a standalone. So anyway, um, what basically takes place is you've got uh, Spider-Man with a new suit that was provided to him by his new um, employer, which oddly enough is Norman Osborn for anybody who's been reading Amazing Spider-Man knows that Norman is, Norman is now a rehabilitated criminal with, of course, you know, he still has resources. So he has him a new suit and he even gave him a little robot companion named Bug. And um, this, this issue was really cool, man. It was fast paced. It was witty. The dialogue was was humorous. It got to the point where Spider Man was literally humming the Spider Man song. You know, dan 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 dan. He was literally doing really? it. It was, it was it was actually kind of funny. Oh wow! But then at the same time, we had a villain. We had a new villain show up, and it got to the point where even an old enemy showed up. So by this by the end of this issue, we have a group of new enemies that showed up to basically tear him up. But even if you hadn't read any of the previous ones, this this catches you up in a way that you can read it and, you know, move forward with it. So it was definitely an enjoyable read. Uh, next up after that, these last two, these are my X-Men books. I, I had to do X-Men. <laughs> so um, we have an Axe, you know, basically Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals number one. For X-Men, was written by Karen Gilliam and Francisco Mabelli is the artist. And this basically takes um, place with Jean Grey, um, a couple of the X-Men, as well as some of the Avengers trying to take out the Celestial that, oddly enough, they ended up creating to try to stop the Eternals because the Eternals were originally created by the Celestials. And they figure if they have a new Celestial, the Celestial will um, help them stop the Eternals, but it didn't work out that way because mm. anybody who's reading Judgment knows mm -hmm. that the this this particular celestial is um judging everyone individually and as groups. And it turns out that, you know, while they were fighting their way through this giant celestial to get to its heart, um that's when it decided to judge Jean Grey. Oh it, to be fair, it pulled to two people into her mind with it, as well as her, obviously. One of them, somebody who envied her and somebody who loves her. So you really don't know whether she passed or failed until the end. And no matter what the outcome was, she still held up the fight. She still kept it moving. It was it was a really good, compelling issue. Like I picked up, there was um, a beautiful storm cover that I picked up, a variant cover. But yeah, it was definitely a solid read. Speaking of storm, 
The next book I picked up was X-Men Red Number 7. And that is a continuation of the, you know, Judgment Day uh, storyline. It's more, it's kind of tying up because these are the mutants of Araku and they're on the uh, Mars. Yeah. So there was a moment in there where it was, you know, anybody once again, if you've been reading this title, know that Magneto had his chest wide open by by the end of issue five. And he's been going off of adrenaline and his mutant powers for the last couple of issues. And Storm gave him a power boost in the last one. And, you know, he had a very touching moment in this with Storm. And it was interesting because, um, you know, there was a quote that he actually said in this book that was actually amazing. And it is, you cannot wish us away. You cannot ignore us. We are your children. And it's <laughs> something, yeah. <laughs> oh. And that touches, and that touches on a lot of levels. And yeah, this book, this sure. book was, this book was written by Al Ewing, and it's been writing. His writing has been phenomenal. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away, but Ithaca, Ithaca shows back up, and you know she is mm-hmm. the one who cannot lose. But then she gets challenged and something amazing happens that she didn't even foresee. Um, but that's that, that's my five books for the week. Um, nice. They were all actually all pretty good. I enjoyed each and every one of them. And, you know, I'm going to end it on this note. You know, collect what you love. Love what you collect. And, you know, your collection will always have some value. If not to everybody else, but to you, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. We appreciate your time, brother. And listen, uh, of course. I, I, I might have to be looking out for that Judgment Day compendium whenever that hits stories. I, I would, you know, I would get all I would, these stories together. I, I would recommend it because even I, to be honest, haven't picked up all the, the times. There, there was literally a Star Fox time that came out this week. I, I didn't oh, grab wow. it. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like There's there's times in every book. The only ones I'm grabbing besides the main story are some of the X or really the X-Men ones. I grabbed the one Avengers one with uh, Tony Stark in them, but I haven't been picking them all up. It's, it's a phenomenal read. Uh, Karen Gilliam is the one doing the he's, writing. He's a beast. Yeah. He's a beast. I mean, if you ever read once in future, his once in future is yep. amazing. So, you know, it's definitely uh, worth a read, but yeah, I mean, for anybody who's not going to pick up the individual issues, yeah, definitely wait. They're definitely going to make a compendium about this. They, they they do it all the time. So I'm sure that if not that, it'll be a thick graphic novel first. Right, you know? right, right, right. Right, right. Well, yeah, man. Thank that you, was my brother. That's been it. Anytime, man. Anytime, yeah, man. brother. So we'll, we'll catch right. you next week, man. You guys go get those yep. books, man. Some good reads for you guys. Mm-hmm. Later, brother. Later. Hey, if you enjoyed the Batman like I did, this segment is definitely for you. Uh, Paul Dano, he played Edward Nashton in the Batman, a.k.a. the Riddler. He actually is creating a six issue miniseries for DC Comics. It's called Riddler Year One. This story came out of CBR.com, and basically the story delves into how the accountant Edward Nashton turned into the live streaming Riddler composing serial killer of the Batman movie. 
this article was actually very interesting. Um, it's covering an Empire Magazine interview that Paul Dano did. Uh, and he just talked about creating a backstory for the Riddler. Uh, and what he said was, it's about getting to page one of the script. You're operating partly from the subconscious of the character. And it goes on to just talk about how he usually does these journal entries to kind of get into the mindset of the characters that he's taking on. But for the Batman, he did notes on the history of the Riddler in comic book style. So eventually all these notes and everything that he was taking down, he felt that, hey, this actually might make a pretty decent comic book. So he let uh, Matt Reeves read the, the script that he was coming up with or the notes that he was taking down. And Matt Reeves actually said the same thing, that this would actually make a really interesting, uh, fun comic book. So, you know, he got in contact with DC and they decided to turn this into a six issue miniseries. Um, I mean, like I said, if you are a fan of the Batman movie uh, and you found this uh, version of the Riddler to be you know, pretty interesting. I think this is going to be a pickup for you. I know it's going to be a pickup for me. Uh, this story actually comes out October 25th, uh, right before Halloween. So the issue one will be out. Uh, and it's a six issue miniseries. Uh, the cover art is going to be by the legendary Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, and the art will be done by Subic. I'm not sure his first name, but the artwork you can kind of see in one of the preview books. I want to say two issues ago, uh, preview books for DC. It looks really, really good. Um, so I'm excited about this, man. Um, hopefully I'll be using it as one of my reads of the week later on down the line with uh, me and Kay on Saturday morning. Um, but with that said, man, listen. You guys, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks again to James for giving us his reviews on his top five books plus one. And uh, once again, thank you to Isaac earlier this week for giving us the previews. Make sure you guys come on back this Saturday. Me and Kay will be chopping it up about uh, Black Panther and some more blade news and a few other things i think you guys will be interested in so just make sure you tune in hit that subscribe button uh, and have a wonderful day i'm your host amir and this is the one in 100 podcast